are the voyages of the starship Therapize. Its continuing mission, to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. with feeling. Mother pheasant feather plucker, 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 mother pheasant feather plucker. Engineering to Captain Kirk. What now, Spock? Can't you see I'm busy? Well, technically, I can't see anything, sir. We aren't in the same room. Duh, you're hilarious. Really killing it with the dead pan. Spock? Are you still there? I was erring on the side of caution, sir, so as not to offend you with my wit. <sighs> Spock, there's no need to get sensitive. I think one of us could do with a bit more sensitivity, sir. <gasps> Spock, you listen up. I have been here in my office for not even 15 minutes, and already you are interrupting me with- It's been nearly three hours, sir. Huh? You retired to your quarters at 0800. It is now nearly 1100. Scotty and I have fixed the malfunction in the power couplings, and you asked us to notify you when we were done. 1100? That can't be right. I haven't even started my limbic massage yet. Limbic? No. Disregard that, sir. I don't want to know. Are you ready to start the show, or do you need a few more minutes? few more minutes? I need a few more hours. Sir? All right. Never mind, Spock. Just take the turbo lift up here, and that should give me enough time to- I'm already here, sir. Duh! Jesus fucking Christ, Buck! We agreed no more beaming into my quarters without warning. I took the turbo lift. That's not possible! <laughs> you were just calling me on your comm from engineering. Captain, are you feeling alright? You seem to be struggling with your sense of time. Are you ready to start the show, or should I come back later? I'm not struggling with anything. I'm fine. Ugh. <sighs> Hi, friends at home. I'm Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Laura Sigarski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spocky, and first officer, and I have an impeccable sense of time. Uh, just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. D um, why, why, are you, why are you all up on my business with time right now? Well, that's a good question. And it is somewhat ironic because I think of the two of us, you arguably have a better sense. Well, you have a better sense of time than I do. You know, I think in some ways, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, it, what's I think what's interesting is that I I care a little less about time. Yes, but I'm very cognizant of time mm -hmm. because I am thinking of the other person. Yes. Um, but it, because like I, I have clients that are consistently 15 minutes late for session. I think nothing of it. Right. Right. That's, you that's know? real. And like, just, just right now, 
I, I, <laughs> which I think is unusual in our dynamic. That like usually, usually I'm ready to go. Yes, that's true. And I'm usually the one who's like, eh, five, ten, fifteen more minutes. <laughs> yes, it's probably the least Spock thing about me as mm -hmm. a human being that I I don't have a Western sense of time. No. Yeah, which is interesting. Do you, do you feel like that existed before our internship in graduate school? I think that it did. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like our internship in graduate school was this, I feel like it very much was a pivot point for me. Mm -hmm. And I think I could have gone in one of two directions. I think I could have gone in the direction of like really learning how to take on more of this like Western Eurocentric linear mm -hmm. time containment approach. Or I could have gone the direction that I eventually did go, which is that I fully integrated what's colloquially known as black time. <laughs> because our supervisor is an African-American human. And um, he, one of the things that he believed very strongly is that it's important to decolonize the mind around time. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, what a beautiful lesson. And in some ways... <laughs> That that what was a lifelong little... problem. <laughs> <laughs> because it is it's hard to find your way back to the middle ground. Yeah. You know, cuz I I think I I think in our western very white centric culture we do spend a little bit too much energy on time. Yes. Um and also we can't like have no energy into time. <laughs> No, there needs to be a balance, and it definitely is going to be at times situational. Um, I think one of the ways it really helps serve me is I think like many of our colleagues get real caught up in the um, insurance construct of time. Oh, yeah, yeah. 53 minutes. 53 minutes. 55 at most. But then you must be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, our supervisor did a great job of being like, yeah, but that's... That's just a created thing. That doesn't, why should therapy have to be that time? Now he took it to an extreme because sometimes, you know, therapy would be going on for hour two. <laughs> or the one time it went on to hour three. It did. I mean, that one I can't claim. I was not there for that one. That was all you. That was your intern experience. <laughs> hour three on those amazing straight back chairs. <laughs> And, and true story, this is the only time I have ever had to excuse myself from a session to go use the bathroom because I was like, I, I have to pee. Yeah. It's mm. been three hours. It's been three hours. <laughs> was there another client who was supposed to have been seen somewhere in that, that time frame? No, no. Very luckily, there was not. And I, I do have to say this for our supervisor. Like, he was aware when there were other clients scheduled. And there were only a few times I can remember when we would go over the session time, like, significantly, and someone was waiting. Usually it was like, like, I'll, I'll do this now sometimes. Like, if I don't have somebody in the next hour. Yeah. If the person I'm talking to is having, like, a big catharsis, like, we go five, ten minutes over. This is not the end of the world. No, it's not the end of the world. But, you know, like, always best to, like, check into name and... 
do what mm-hmm. you can there. Mm-hmm. Right. And I like, even in those situations, I'm like, hey, do you, like, I don't have anybody in this next hour. Do you need to be anywhere? No. How, how do we feel about going an extra 10 minutes? And that's where if if that had been an active part of my training with mm-hmm. this human who I, definitely was one of our Jedi, our Jedi masters, mm-hmm. that would have helped me so much because I don't have a sense of linear time. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was not something that he was particularly keen on doing or interested in at all. Mm-hmm. So I still, like, depending, and, like, when I'm tired, time is the first thing to go for me. I have noticed that about you. Mm, yes, I'm, I'm glad that, I'm glad that you're aware of that. Um, <laughs> and that is something that I've had to learn in my clinical life to be able to kind of be gentle with myself about, because mm-hmm. it does take so much external and extra energy for me to be with time in that way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just not going to happen. And so we'll go like the 10 minutes over and then I'll at the end be like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I should have, I was mine to hold this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And I, it's funny when I, if I don't name it, cause we're only going like two minutes over mm-hmm. clients inevitably are like, Oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I know they do. Mm-hmm. Time is not yours. No, no. The time is my problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I appreciate that you care and also like yeah no that was mine i know it was seven minutes ago i could have told you it was time to start wrapping up but you didn't but i didn't no (laughs) so all this talk of time as -hmm. much as like i'm naming and you're naming that like some of this is a personality difference um Mm -hmm. And just sort of a different levels and different kinds of sort of spatial awareness difference, right? Like some folks mm-hmm. are just more attuned with the Western linear construct of time than others. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think is true of all human beings is that if we get laser focused on any one thing, we start to lose our connection and our awareness of literally everything else, which can mm-hmm. include time. Mm-hmm. Right. So like what are we spending our time on? Mm-hmm. And how does how does that impact the rest of our lives? Right. Yeah. Like you and I just finished writing a book. Yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> and that that was I mean, that took a lot of time. Mm-hmm. There there were uh there were other aspects of life that got a little bit put on hold to write that book. Yeah, there were. See, now what's yeah. happening for me is I'm like pausing and I'm going back over the memory of that time, like the felt experience of it. Mm-hmm. And we wrote the book in about what, like seven months ish. Yeah. Seven ish months, seven ish months. Mm-hmm. And yet, when I go back and I th- recall that, the, my emotional experience is that that was at least a year. Like, it's been a year <laughs> since we got <laughs> our contract and our publisher and our editor. Mm-hmm. Not quite. Not quite. No. A little less. <laughs> and I think this opens up nicely to something that's been coming up quite a bit in sessions for folks is that 
with what's going on with the pandemic and different levels of quarantine, some required by different states and cities, some like sort of like self-imposed, mm-hmm. is that people's and folks' sense of time mm-hmm. is oh, yeah. just all out the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. When it comes to stuff from the past four or five months, that's a that's a very confusing sense of time. Yes. Because I, I was thinking just the other day how much I miss going to the gym. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, when was the last time you were at the gym? March. Yeah, it was March. <laughs> was the last time I used public transit? <laughs> and yet, the, you know, the other thing that's weird, at least for me, is that while my experience is that literally years have gone by since March, it's mm-hmm. also my experience that, like, I feel like I should be able to when it's time for me to like go back to or when it's like time and what i really mean by that is when it's physically safe for me to like re-enter the world Mm -hmm. it should start again in march like it feels like that way of existing just like went on pause i shut the door of my physical office space i boarded the 151 bus for the last time Mm -hmm. um in 2020 probably but then it also feels like once I can now safely board the 151 bus again and can open the physical door of my office again, that it should just, it'll be March again. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that could be right, but it would be March 2021. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're We're not pausing and... And opening the door where we closed it. No. Oh, a whole bunch of stuff has happened. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, it's gonna be a strange feeling for folks. And I, I recognize not all folks because some folks are still living like nothing happened. They are, but enough has changed in the external world. That even if you, even if the tool you're going to right now is denial, mm-hmm. you have to put so much energy into that tool. Why I'm pausing mm-hmm. is literally just this past week, it was um, Sturgis, the motorcycle rally. Oh, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. And it didn't look like those folks were having a big internal struggle. Well, no, it's not gonna... <laughs> oh, because it's internal. Because it's internal. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like that's going to show up point, for, them fair, in, fair point. for them in other ways. Like mm-hmm. maybe they're a little, bo- a little bit more irritable mm-hmm. with their sure. man friend Skid. You know, maybe last year they drove up with their man friend Skid and everything was great. And there were mm-hmm. easy laughter and banter. But maybe this year they were just more irritable. That's fair. And maybe when the one human who I saw paint her breasts with Trump on Mount Rushmore, Mm. perhaps a feeling went along with that, too, that I can't really understand. I'm just pausing. You know, I'm pausing right now to see if I can get there. Um, I don't know enough about this person, I think, to be able to like really get there with them only to agree with you that, yes, 
the things that are happening in 2020, the realities probably mm-hmm. motivated at least partially the, the, the branding <laughs> of her bosom <laughs> with Trump. <laughs> Mount Bustmore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there it is. Uh huh. <laughs> uh, so, uh, oh, fuck, I'm having so much trouble like following our string today. Yeah, I mean, you didn't really get a full night sleep. I didn't. You did not. No. And I think it's okay. This is just going to be, I think this episode might be the emotional equivalent for us. Who knows what it's going to be like for listeners, but the emotional equivalent of remember that episode that we did on, uh, Oh, what was it? The guy with the suede fringe (laughs) born to run on their choppers. Jack Nicholson in that cream suit. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Can't even, what was, God damn it. What's it called? Easy rider. (laughs) There it is. Easy rider. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. This feels like one of those episodes, long, meandering, the very opposite of laser-focused awareness on a single objective, be that time management or the achievement of the, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this right. The Spjerg note? Yes, the Spjerg note mm-hmm, that you were trying <laughs> to accomplish at the top of the app. <laughs> Yeah, uh, my my Icelandic is is pretty okay. Turns out, well, I mean, because you've been there at least. I have been there at least twice, mm-hmm. so you've had chance to like oh, really just, hear it. I, I've only been there once. Oh, okay. My partner's been there a couple times. Okay. You've been and there he, once, and he wants to go again. When we can do that, mm-hmm. that will be fun. I could see your partner perhaps living happily part time in Iceland. Oh, yeah. He'd be very happy. He'd be very happy. I don't know if that would be your truth. It's very pretty. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I could happily, like, spend some time there and write. Yes. Yes. Um, But, yeah, it's, I think it's it's quaint. We, uh, by six degrees of Kevin Bacon, we know a lot of people there. (laughs) Like actual six degrees of Kevin Bacon or like the metaphorical measurement to the metaphorical six okay. degrees of Kevin Bacon. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> Cause um, Eli's best friend is Icelandic mm. and he lives oh. in London, but his sister lives in Iceland. And because like all Icelanders are related. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought they did a great job in Eurovision. Um, yes. Maybe we should introduce the fact that we are talking about Eurovision. We're talking about Eurovision. <laughs> We're at least 20 minutes, if not 30, depending on how our fabulous producer produces and edits this episode into the app. And now we're finally getting around to like, yep, Eurovision, which again, like this is the antithesis of what Will Ferrell's protagonist struggles with in the film Eurovision, which is like single-minded commitment to getting to Eurovision and winning Eurovision. And so he mm-hmm. it 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 limits his ability to access literally anything else in his life. And mm-hmm. so he remains like this stunted man child 
which of course is the canonical Will Ferrell character for years, <laughs> well into his, I mean, maybe on paper he was supposed to be in his mid thirties, but he clearly looks like he's at the end of his forties in the film. <laughs> that did bother me just a little bit. I agree with you, but I don't think it was as bad as Mel Gibson playing like a 16 year old at the beginning of Braveheart. Oh, I, yeah, I don't recall that. Um, I haven't and watched Braveheart since the 90s. Not a loss, let me tell you. Not a loss. <laughs> um, but I am getting a note from our producer that we should probably make it clear what we're talking about. We're not talking about the Eurovision Song Contest, which happens annually, though not this year. Um, we're talking about the Netflix film. Hmm. Full title is Eurovision Song Contest, colon, The Story of Fire and Ice. That is incorrect. What? You said fire and ice. It's fire saga. God damn it! (laughs) (laughs) But how funny, because a bunch of Game of Thrones was was filmed in Iceland. So I'm guessing that though that those bits of information were stored near to each other in your brain. Absolutely. And how neat. That is a wonderful spin. And I accept it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, so we, we watched this film um, because one of, one of my clients, who is also a pod listener, uh, recommended when I mentioned we're trying to keep pods a bit lighter because pods have been such yeah. a downer. They um, certainly I mean, have I, been I, more serious. I, Grim. Yeah, I mean, like I think I think we make them fun, but they're still like Yeah. About tough stuff. Right, right. And you know, it's a fine line between like bringing in some some levity and some whimsy to um just seeming like you're coming at something with a lack of awareness. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so the this client uh let me know that that this film was sparking a lot of joy. <laughs> and then it might spark joy for us. Yes. So we watched it. And you know what? It did spark joy. It did. It was a delight. Um, mm-hmm. And I was expecting, like, I was, I was like, I don't know about this film. <laughs> and I remember you told me about it. There was that part of me that was like, I don't know about this. And I was like, listen, I hear you, part of me that's saying this. But you know what? We're not going to be a killjoy. <laughs> Okay, we are gonna we are gonna come in here with the best neutrality that we can, um, and it was yeah, it was a delight. It was a wonderful mm-hmm. viewing experience. Hmm. Yeah, great music, beautiful shots of Iceland. Hmm. Very well love, produced in the song numbers. I love the songs that they wrote for this movie. I like. I cannot get them out of my head. They are they are earworms, and even though. The lyrics are so absurd. They're just charmingly absurd. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the entirety of Lion of Love is yeah. just chef's kiss. <laughs> Brought to us by Dan Stevens from Downton Abbey, playing a bisexual, perhaps I mean, a pansexual Russian singer. <laughs> mm-hmm, who has a bit of the like Pavarotti vibretto about him. Yeah, I mean, he's singing opera to techno. 
Oh, that was the other thing I really liked about watching this film with you is that it like was very much like more of an entry into EDM, which is something I'm a real fan of, but you have been less of a fan. Yeah, I mean, I, so my my partner is a big house music aficionado mm-hmm. or, or was back in the day. And I think I just I I didn't understand how someone could just sit and listen to house music. Like the first time he told me he did that, I was like, you just listen to this? Like you sit here mm-hmm. and do what you're doing. Yeah. And listen to house music. Like I I can understand it existing while you are clubbing. I was familiar with that concept. Mm-hmm. But the concept of like I'm going to I'm going to do the dishes. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you know what what house music is really great for when hmm. you are doing end notes that is that is not i'm gonna say that's not my experience because <laughs> i i when i'm working uh-huh. i need utter silence that's right that's right i always forget this but that's true like you mm-hmm. can't you can't study with people you cannot have any background noise like you need Mm-mm. it to be like a literal tomb <laughs> or like- some type of monastic <laughs> tower experience <laughs> yeah utter silence Eli, my partner, will have five things going at once. He'll be reading a book. He'll have a baseball game on. He'll have music on. He'll like, and I, I, I cannot, I cannot, no. I cannot. No, you Even if cannot. I'm just responding to an email, I have to mute the TV. <clears throat> I can't do two things at once. And that's okay. Yeah, I, I'm aware of my limits. Mm-hmm. You know who wasn't aware of their limits? Will Ferrell. <laughs> Do you like how I brought that background? Um, I, I, I like the way we're bringing things back around in this episode in a way that is just like really, I'm not going to say clunky. <laughs> I'm not going to say clunky. But I am going to say that we're doing it in a way that really calls attention to the fact that like we are not even trying to stay focused. yeah and you know i'm kind of i'm kind of loving that our presentation of this is the antithesis of what we're talking about i really am too there's there's just something you know there's such whimsy in that film and i feel like we are bringing whimsy yes to the topic oh speaking of whimsy elves elves so great i was so so excited to see the elves not the least of which the final hundred pages in volume three masks of the gods spends a lot of time with elves and like the travel (laughs) of the tribes who sort of settled in like i don't know like bohemian germany like there were no countries back then Mm -hmm. but they were there and then they traveled up to the north and then the Nordics sort of like got in their large boats and traveled to Iceland and Ireland and, you know, kicked around the British Isles and it was all this back and forth. And there were lots mm-hmm. of elves because they were pagan. Mm. And so that sparked a lot of joy. And it helped me sort of like let go of what was the non-joyful part of the final um, hundred pages of volume three, Masks of the Gods, because in those, these final hundred pages... Joseph Campbell does the thing 
that mm. every writer does, which is they show the limits of the age in which they were born. Oh, was this like the time that I read that Viktor Frankl book that isn't yeah. Man's Search for Meaning? And I was like, oh, my God, he's sexist and heteronormative. Yes, yes. It was just like that. Because we were like building and building and building. And I was like, yay, it's time for the cre crescendo. It's going to be the, the Spjord note that I'm pronouncing wrong again. No, I did it. It's no, mostly Spjord. Good. Yes. Yeah, um, I was like, this is going to be so good. And then, then Joseph Campbell is like, the Greeks created individual thought and in human beings. Mm. And that's why Western Europe is the best. <laughs> and my final volume will continue to expound on the idea that western europe is the best mm. and the seat of uh what creative myth in which individuals can take the components of powerful myth and use it to actualize no other <sighs> regions do this except western europe and i was like oh no please stop but he kept going Also, the fuck, Joseph Campbell? It was really hard. Because <laughs> <laughs> he knows better. No, no. I mean, I would like to think that, like, if his consciousness is still out there floating around, you know, mm -hmm. that that consciousness does now know better. <laughs> and I'm with you that, like, it definitely, like, it... This, that whole thing, the way he ended that, it runs so counter to his more like general view about mm -hmm. human beings and development and growth and taking this holistic approach to the collective unconscious, but also that like myth very much bears out that we all are one big human race. Mm hmm. And it just and so like this isn't this isn't giving him a pass at all, but it is just being like, yeah, the time, the age in which we're born the body we're born into, mm -hmm. it, it gives all of us blind spots. Sure. Yeah. And if you don't have somebody there to question you, like he clearly didn't have an editor. Well, I think he did, but his editor was like another white dude who was like, yeah, Eurocentrism. <laughs> but I mean, what I mean is... I mean, having read one of those books, I know that you have read almost all of them now. Mm, yeah, I'm taking a break, though, because it, okay. it's, yeah, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. um, what I noticed was whoever was editing was just sort of like, this man's a genius. I can't say anything. Even though this is the 57th time he's talked about Tristan and he's old. I'm just going to let it go. Yeah, I'm really curious to get to, because you read volume four. You were like one mm -hmm. through three. Spock will do that. And that was true. <laughs> I did. I was like, I'm going to start with four. That one looks the most interesting. And I'm glad you did, because I, I just don't I, I don't, I don't see one through three really sparking much joy for you. Um but yeah, I'm curious to like see the Tristan is old and and what that <laughs> what that's about for him. That and uh, he God, he loves his James Joyce. Oh, there was so much James Joyce. Yeah, yeah, uh huh. And like, yeah. it makes sense to me why he loves James Joyce because mm -hmm. he likes the way James Joyce is all about like hiding 
little Fabergé eggs. In, I like a Fabergé egg. In his, in his prose. But, like, they're so well hidden that, like, you have to have just, like, you need to, like, speak all these different languages and have been alive when James Joyce was writing and really be into, like, Dublin and <laughs> maybe committed the golden bow to, like, memory. And it just, and, like, yeah, like, that would really speak to Joseph Campbell. But it doesn't really speak to me. And that's why I read 10 pages of Ulysses and said, no, thank you. Mm. I didn't read any pages of Ulysses and said no thank you I think of the two of us you made the best the better choice yeah I did however watch Xena Warrior Princess which is basically the same thing that, <laughs> that was such an amazing zag that I did not see coming <laughs> <laughs> anyway bringing it back to Will, Will Ferrell's character um what were you saying about his character his focus he misses things um i'm it it, i don't know it was so long ago i know it Um, was yeah because i got into uh, the elves yeah it's okay no the elves Mm -hmm. were great um what what i noticed about our character lars Mm. um aside from the fact that he was much much older than he was intended to be um which, I mean, there was a lot of suspending disbelief in this film, so that's cool. And I'm not even talking about the elves. Uh, <laughs> no. Honestly, in many ways, the elves are the most realistic and historically accurate. <laughs> One of the more historically accurate components of the film. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, like, I love a song number where people just show up and start singing songs. Like, you do. I need, I need no invitation to suspend disbelief i am like suspended yeah you're very present and ready for that but in the final number when will ferrell is able to play the piano that's great (laughs) for secret to sing the song that she wrote i'm like she didn't finish the song yeah how do you know how to play it and i thought that you had the most beautiful answer to that um because i had watched this once and then Spock and I watched it together last night, virtually. Um, I, I was like, ah, this bothers me. Bah. And Spock said, it was the elves. Right, and I, I was like, sold. Sold. They both know the song because of the elves. Because <gasps> of, of the elves. And I'm in it. Yes. And actually, I'm, this is just occurring to me right now, that the power, like the, the symbolism of the elves that Sigrid's really connected to far more than Lars is initially, is very much like the chaotic old mythology of paganism, mm-hmm. which is not based in this linear <clears throat> conception of time and progress and industrial capitalism. Hmm. Right? Oh, do, you, do you think that's why she's more chill? I do. Because mm-hmm. she's able to like really be with her roots and she's working on how to like integrate that into her consciousness. Whereas mm-hmm. Lars is like so his connection with his pagan roots and his mother, which makes sense because paganism is fundamentally, well, I shouldn't say fundamentally, I should say like the kind of paganism that Sigrid is into, it does seem like its origins were matriarchal. And it was centered mm-hmm. around the goddess cult. 
So it makes sense that like that Lars, he's not connected to the elves and he also lost his mother at a very young age because theoretically mm -hmm. mom would have been the one to help him kind of like maybe more get in touch with the goddess cult slash paganism slash sure. elves, which would have helped his... him be a more well-rounded individual. Right. Because his very handsome father, Papa Pierce Brosnan was not going to have those conversations with him. No, no. Papa Pierce Brosnan was far more concerned with his Just for Men gel <laughs> that he used in his wonderfully finely manicured beard and his coiffure <laughs> of wavy masculine hair. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very butch. Yes. Very butch, but also very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A soft butch, <laughs> which is also my best look. Oh, that is your best look. Me and Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Just two softly butch humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, and it, so this is this is interesting. I'm glad we're talking about this because it makes sense that suddenly... Lars finds something that he connects with, which is mm -hmm. sort of like his, his new mythology. Yeah. You know. His the, Tristan is old. His Tristan and he's old, which was Abba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was his Tristan and his old. <laughs> I love where you're going with this. Keep going. And so in, in an attempt to have a deep and meaningful, emotional and uh, spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. He, he goes into music, and I think where he gets confused is whereas Sigrid is able to go to the elves just to go to the elves, mm -hmm. Lars is trying to be performative in his spirituality. Yeah. To win the approval of others, mm. which will never be successful. No, because you know what? He's being ruled by his child part. Mm -hmm. who didn't get the love, care, and affection that it needed when he was a child. <laughs> and now, rather than his adult self connecting with his younger parts and leading the way, he keeps letting the younger parts drive him to seek that self-connection from the external world, when in fact what he needs is to do that work inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and... He, there's this lovely human by his side, Secret, who is also like, hey, notice me. Yeah. But but child parts aren't romantic. No, mm -mm, they're not. They're not. And I know that Freud would be like, not true. But here's the thing, Freud. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, Freud. Sorry. <laughs> Hashtag sorry, not sorry, Freud. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> right, and so as long as he's being led by childlike parts, he's never able to see Sigrid as more than a than a play play pal, right? Than a playmate. Playmate, uh, thank yes. you. That's the word I was looking for. I mean, play pal is good too. It has the two P's, so you know there's some nice um, was I alliteration. Say? Alliteration. I was going to say assonance, but I was like, that's not right. That's not what we're looking for. Um, <laughs> but taking a step slightly to the left. 
If you're new here, listener, welcome, Mazel. Good to have you with us. Um, <laughs> what we're talking about what is what an app to join. What on. an app to join on. I mean, if you're if you if you join on this app and you're still here, let us I know think... on our Facebook page and we'll send you something. <laughs> In recognition for your fortitude and endurance and you just unique approach to life. Um, mm-hmm. But at any rate, we're talking about internal family systems, IFS. Dick Schwartz is the guy who really, I don't know, got famous for putting it all together, though certainly it's not mm-hmm. like he discovered parts. But it's that idea that our consciousness is, rather than being unitary, is multifaceted. Mm-hmm. And... There is, though there are many parts to our consciousness, there is one appropriate leader, conductor of the part orchestra, if you will. And that is, though I hate this label so much, and all my clients who I talk about IFS with know it, it's the capital S self who leads. I just, Mm -hmm. we must come up with a better title someday, you and I. Well, I think the... I think writing an IFS book is in the in the future plans. Yes. Maybe not the immediate future plans, but the eventual future plans. Mm -hmm. We'll come up with something better. Yes, we will. But at any rate, yeah, his self is not Lars's self is not leading. His child is leading. And so he can only see Sigrid as a playmate. Mm hmm. And so how is how hard for her? Because Sigrid seems to be really self-led. Mm hmm. And integrated. She does. And, and, sh- and she's, and, and there's a lot that she seems to love about Lars's childlike part. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she says that she loves him because he's a dreamer. Yeah. And, you know, that's a childlike part that's the dreamer. Um, but I think she also sees more adult parts in him that he doesn't even recognize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but until he's able to have that awareness for himself, until he's able to yeah. that moment on the boat with his father to say, it doesn't matter to me what you think about me. Yeah. When he's able to have that more adult part mm-hmm. come out mm-hmm. and, you know, that part that was probably a little bit more self-led. Yes. Come out and say, I, I've tried everything in the world to impress you. It's impossible. I'm going to stop driving myself out of my mind. Right. And then his father says how proud he is of, of what Lars did for Iceland. Right. Well, and I didn't expect us to go here, but I'm very glad that you led us here because I think this is such a, this is a nice example of... The ways that our human interactions get stunted mm-hmm. when we're not leading from self mm-hmm. and we're letting parts lead and what will happen to the other people in our life when they're interacting with our parts, right? So like, even though like Papa Pierce Brosnan, it would seem based solely on the film, he has no idea what IFS is. <laughs> And he also seems to have a somewhat limited understanding of the ways that perhaps he struggled as a father and did not always give Lars what Lars needed. Mm-hmm. It, it also feels like part of his frustration with his son, though he doesn't know how to put it into words, is that his son keeps asking him for things that it's not appropriate for him to give him anymore. 
Oh, sure. And so, and, and he responds in a very Papa Pierce Brosnan way where it's kind of, it's like judgy and a little bit of disgust and some like lots of blame, like get this away from me. I don't want this. And absolutely. He could have said that in some much more compassionate ways. Mm-hmm. And yet this frustration is really understandable because like his, his adult, his 47 year old adult son <laughs> is going to him and asking for things that yes, he ought to have been able to do for a six-year-old son, but his son's not six anymore. Mm-hmm. But a part of him is. But a part of him is. And, and herein lies maybe one of the paradoxes of what you need when you're an adult, which is that you got to figure out how to connect and mm-hmm. give your childlike part what they needed. It's not appropriate for court caregiver to do that for you anymore. No, no, no. And, and it's, that's such a hard message. Mm-hmm. It's such a hard message that another person cannot give you this yeah. once that time has passed. It is, you know, and I, I cannot tell you how many clients have a very similar experience of if only my mm-hmm. parent would say this, or yeah. if only this person would do this. Right. And it, like, I have so much compassion for that. Like, of course you feel that way. Of course. And also, there is no way that person can offer this to you. Right. Because even if, even if mm-hmm. Papa Pierce Morgan had said... <laughs> Oh, Pierce Brosnan. Who's Pierce Morgan? Oh, he's that like awful conservative, like UK <laughs> pundit. He's just the worst. I kind of loved it. That was a great Freudian slip. <laughs> uh, Papa Pier- Captain Morgan. Pierce Morgan is definitely like the the like worst case scenario for fictional Papa Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan clearly does some growing up himself during the arc Mm -hmm. of this film. Pierce Morgan, based on what we can see, not so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, (laughs) even if Papa Pierce Brosnan had had done some introspection and when Lars and Secret get into the song contest, he comes to Lars and he says, you know what? This is a big deal. I'm proud of you. Mm Mm-hmm. Lars probably wouldn't have been able to take that in because he no. was still having this internal conflict. Yeah. There would still be a part of him that's like, this, either this isn't enough or this isn't what I want mm-hmm. or, you know, I don't, I don't believe it. Right. You know, because he needed to have that internal experience before he could accept what dad was saying. Believe it, take it in. Yeah. And, and not have it be the thing that is propelling him forward, but mm-hmm. rather like ju- just another aspect of this healing. Right. And this is where, and they, I think they do a, a nice job gesturing to this with Sigrid too, right? Cause she very much, she has been waiting for Lars to do his internal work. Mm-hmm. Years and years and years and years have gone by <laughs> and she's waiting. 
Mm-hmm. And even if she has a very, and we don't know this because it's just like not in the film, but even if she had like a very nuanced understanding of that which Lars is struggling with, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. And what I mean by it doesn't matter is that like she can't do that work for him. Right. And we see this in couples sometimes where one member of the couple's like, but I get it. I know all the things that part my partner's dealing with and here it all is. And it's like, great, you've, you have done that work for them. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to get you where you want to go because it's not your, it's like, it's not about you understanding this for them. They mm-hmm. need to understand this. <clears throat> yeah. And sometimes it has to hurt and be uncomfortable mm-hmm. you know like Lars flying back to Iceland from Edinburgh right right and of course because this is a fictional film and they have you know they have they have time constraints mm-hmm. now we're making our way on back to time it has to be that like Lars has this realization in a very short period of time right because I mean it's it's not a terribly long flight but we but it is like <laughs> He only has a couple hours. <laughs> right, right. And then he like goes and he has on the boat and he has this whole like internal IFS experience while also making peace with dad. Like in real life, it usually doesn't happen this quickly. <laughs> no. And it will also sometimes happen that like, you know, the person who is in the role of secret, like they'll say that they'll give their other, the other person that they want to be with or they're partnered with an ultimatum. They're like, hey, I need you to do this before we can go any further. And their partner might be like, no. Mm hmm. Yeah. And then that's where you might get like, ah, oh, but was it me? Should I have done something different? And the hard truth is no, because this was this was always Lars to be with and work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was always Lars's. Um I I just I I wanna say to our listeners, I know that we talk about IFS a lot. <laughs> um it's it's a, it's kind of become the IFS show, which mm, I I, yeah. I hope you're super into. Um Right. Now, we we talk about other shit too. We do. But watching this film, like there's IFS in it. Right. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, you were very excited about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are two instances of legit like ec- <laughs> Yeah. Very concrete IFS work is happening. Mm-hmm. Take it away. So, IFS. T- yeah. In training. So so Lars is I know I'm so I'm so close. I only have one session left and I'll be done with level 1. And then guess what? I'm doing level 2. What? I mean I I knew that. And I like even when you were like one session in or like one training in and you were like I don't know if I'm going to do this, maybe I'm done. I was like you're definitely not done. Um cuz you know <laughs> this is the benefit of a of a lifelong platonic partnership. You really know mm-hmm. each other. Um what do you get to call yourself when you complete level 1? Uh, nothing. I oh. get to say that I have completed level one. I don't get any, I don't get any cool monikers. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, back to what you were saying with Lars and his, like, his vision part. Yeah. Well, he, he's looking in the mirror. He's getting ready for the, their <laughs> first performance. And Papa Pierce Brosnan appears behind him and tells him, like, how it, how embarrassed he is and how you know Lars is going to make a fool of himself yeah and many times we hold 
parts that are sort of like mirror images of people in our lives, especially mm -hmm. important people in our lives who maybe said shit that hurt us. Yeah. So, you know, Lars is having this tough time. He's anxious about performing. And then, of course, the part of him that appears to be his father pops in mm -hmm. and says, you're going to embarrass us. And, and that part is protective. It's trying, to, it's trying to keep Lars from embarrassing himself or from, you know, I don't know, being hurt. Right. And then if we want to get real deep into it, then Lars had a firefighter part that came in and was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go up to the lighting booth oh. and talk about our lighting cues with two minutes to spare before our performance. Oh, sure. <laughs> because that's going to keep us from having to feel this uncomfortable feeling. And then we might not have to perform. Mm -hmm. Of course, it winds up being like a big disaster. Right. Um, and then <laughs> the other really like concrete IFS moment was when Lars was talking to his reflection <laughs> in the fountain before the Americans appear. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler alert, the Americans are the worst. They are the worst. Mm hmm. <laughs> is, is this where they shot Game of Thrones? <laughs> Go to the Starbucks. Do you know where Starbucks is? <laughs> He's so helpful. I'm not helping you. I hate you. <laughs> it, was, it was not my experience of I Icelanders at all. They were very nice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so the, the, the parts of me that have become enamored of IFS were very excited to well, see it playing out. And my memory of the fountain is that he doesn't see his, like, his dad is not talking to him when he looks in the, in the reflection of the water. It's a ver like, it's himself. Mm -hmm. Like, it, yep. it's someone with his own face, right? And so, mm -hmm. to me, that seemed like it was speaking to increased growth on Will Ferrell, for Will Ferrell's character, mm -hmm. for Lars, mm -hmm. because Lars was starting to understand that this was an, inter like, the dad part was a representation of dad. Mm-hmm. Not real, not, it, which is different from real life. Right. Papa Pierce Brosnan. And the more that he's able to grow and see that, like, oh, okay, so this is a part of me, the more he can interface with that and then make decisions about how to help that part, how to let things go, what to pass back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, who knew? Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga, had such psychological implications. I'm going to be honest, when you said Eurovision Song Contest, I was like, in my head, I was like, the story of Fire and Ice. But I stopped myself because I knew I was like, you don't, you're not remembering it right. And you're definitely not going to say it right. So let Justine do it. <laughs> the story of Fire and Ice. <laughs> Yep, you know, Lars was uh, ice and Sigrid was fire. Hmm. Mm hmm And now they have a hybrid baby. <laughs> who had, like, cute little headphones. 
Well, yes, it's just too loud on stage. Right. It was adorable. What was that song mm-hmm. they played? Yeah, yeah, ding dong. Yeah, yeah, ding dong. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just but, beautiful. Just a delight. Mm-hmm. And they kept riffing on how everyone in Iceland is related in a way that, you know, made the incest whimsical. Well, and it's not... They weren't making it incesty. Right. Well, and it's not like incest in the classical sense of the word, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's all those jokes about like their brother and sister, Lars and Sigrid, but they're Mm -hmm. not. Because Sigrid's mother was the only woman on the island who never wanted to get with Lars's dad, but then at the end, (laughs) they get married, and so now they are Mm. siblings by marriage. Yeah. That's, we need Fire Saga 2. Find out how that played out. So if we circle back around Mm -hmm. to the laser focus. um, (laughs) Lars, Lars had some really great things in his life. Mm -hmm. Like he, he had, he had secret. He had a, well. He, he had good style. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. he had a he had band he had a band his band members were fun mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah he he wrote music he, he, did. he was a songwriter mm-hmm. um i it's never said whether he wrote yeah yeah ding dong um i, so, I think so it is it is implied that that's a F- fire saga original oh see i thought it was implied that it was like a a pub standard Okay. Well, I take that back then. <laughs> you know, like, play Freebird! Circling back to Lars's laser focus. So Lars <sighs> had some decent stuff going on in his life. He had Secret. He had his band with that kid drummer. He had, like, a pretty sweet pea coat in mm-hmm. Joseph's multicolored dream coat colors. Um, and... <laughs> And, like, he he had some decent stuff happening. But he was so focused on being a star and specifically going to the Eurovision Song Contest and winning so that people will stop laughing at him. Sure. So did he even want to win the Eurovision Song Contest or did did he just want people to stop laughing at him? I don't know. I mean, he conceptualized it as mm-hmm. his laser focus was on Eurovision Song Contest. Right. Um, and unfortunately, because he had that laser focus, he missed that, you know, mm-hmm. this, this lovely human in front of him wanted to be romantic partners and... You know, and we talked about how it was probably a young part right. that had set these goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if it wasn't that that young part just wanted people to stop laughing at him. Right. Love and acceptance. Mm-hmm. Well, and then I wonder, too, because I'm going back to the initial scene where the laughter happens. 
it makes sense to me that like that as a young person he understood that as oh like my dad my dad's friends are laughing at me but i didn't get the sense that it was malicious it seemed Mm. more like they were like oh this is fun look at this kid he's having such a good time Mm -hmm. and then what what made it turn was that like papa pierce brosnan's reaction was like oh god why is my son being so weird Mm-hmm. And then the adults were sort of laughing at dad's reaction mm. and giving dad a hard time. But baby Lars didn't understand that. Well, no. No. And kids often misinterpret adults' reactions as, like, they internalize them as being about something they did. Right. And unfortunately, that... That created this whole, mm-hmm. the this whole Eurovision part, <laughs> whose whole goal is Eurovision, right? And it resulted in probably Lars unintentionally contributing to his own. Mm, no, I'm going to walk that back. I'm not going to say that. I was going to say it contributed to his own alienation, but I don't want to go that way. Hmm. I mean, yes, and right. Like when when we are so focused on one goal mm-hmm. to the absolute detriment like, of all else, right? Like, of of course, you're going to be kind of isolated. Yeah. You know, like if if when we were writing our book, like yes, we we did set some things aside. We you know had to. Yes you know, move some stuff around. Mm -hmm. But if we had just not put any time and effort into our romantic relationships, if we had just stopped going to work, (laughs) you know, I mean, that's eventually it's going to be isolating and Mm -hmm. like, sure, we'd have a completed book, but it, it'd be, it, it'd be a little sad. Yeah. Cause it would be the only thing. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. To the exclusion of everything else. Yeah. Well, and going along with that, I certainly like, for me, there were definitely moments where I would be like, oh, I'm so, I'm so tired, or I feel like I don't see anyone. I feel like this would have been far more pronounced if it hadn't also been the The time of the pandemic and quarantine where I was like, of course, I'm not seeing anyone. I think if we had been writing this book in some sort of like alternate reality where the pandemic didn't happen, I think there would Mm -hmm. have been a lot more instances of potential momentary confusion Mm -hmm. where I think there would be an opportunity for both of us to maybe like get to like the end of a month or the end of a weekend and be like, Oh, why do I feel like I didn't do anything? Or why do I feel like I didn't like Mm -hmm. get any restorative naps in or see anyone or go to brunch. And like, whenever I felt that during the writing in our current time, I was like, well, of course I'm not doing any of those things. There's the pandemic. (laughs) I think without that, though, I think there would have been more opportunity to be like, oh, why is this happening? Do and maybe fall back on some old. Inaccurate or incomplete. Emotional narratives. So that idea of like, oh, nobody wants to hang out with me. Mm-hmm. It's like, who doesn't have some nugget like that floating around on their insides from childhood? Like, oh, why doesn't no one want to hang out with me? And that would have been a great opportunity for myself part to be like, hey. You're writing a book. 
Mm-hmm. It's not people don't want to hang out with you. It's that like you are very busy and you're focused in on that. Mm-hmm. And that's right. where pausing and reflection and connection with the self, which often has that access to some greater awareness can be so helpful. But Lars didn't have that for a good chunk of his life. No. And he didn't have anyone demonstrating that. No. I mean, like, Secret was pretty self-aware, but, like, she didn't raise him. No. They were friends. They were friends and very much was, like, participating in this laser focus for years and years and years. And, like, his dad wasn't bringing and modeling compassionate curiosity about, like, what more might have been (laughs) happening for his son. His dad was just like, stop being such a Nancy. (laughs) Why are you so weird? Yeah. Like, that guy at the police station, he's like, you're weird, Lars. (laughs) My brother went to school with you. He said, you're weird. (laughs) Oh, I'm sad. Yeah. Like, yes. Yes, you are weird, Lars. And you know what? That's how wonderful. Right. Let's embrace the weird. Let's embrace the weirdness. Yeah. But in part because like the self wasn't active. It was these different child parts that were driving. It does seem like part of what happened for Lars is he did have this internal experience of like, why are all these things happening without my, like outside of my control? Mm-hmm. Rather than moving from a place of strength and, and claiming the weird, he was like chasing external affirmation and validation. Right. And this, this made it impossible for him to be mindful. Mm. And like, I'm, I'm not expecting that Lars would have a meditation practice, but what I mean is like being present in the moment yeah because if he had the ability to be present in the moment he would have checked his harness to make sure that (laughs) all of the clasps were working before he floated into the air yeah or you know Mm -hmm. measured out how long a scarf could be without there being danger yeah no this this is a real lack of being aware of the present moment yeah, and just focusing on some perceived future. Because, you know, p- parts, they, they try to help, but they're not very skillful. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes they're just skilled in one very particular way. Sure. That, isn't, that doesn't necessarily speak to... The needs of the present moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what we're about to do has many possible dangers. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. take a moment and suss those out. Let's embrace our Spock part for a minute. Right. Well, and this is interesting, and I don't know... I don't, this probably isn't... I'm going to gesture towards this, and it's not something probably we want to dive into. But this opens up, like, one of, like, an interesting parallel or conversation between the psychological state of flow Hmm. which is this idea that you can you are so in the moment that you're just kind of all of your parts everything you've practiced becomes so fully integrated that you're just able to be and reacting in real time so we talk about states of flow in video games right like you play a video Mm -hmm. game long enough you learn the routines enough that suddenly you can just like do it and from this very both aware, but also intu- simultaneously aware, but intuitive place. Mm-hmm. And your sense of like counting time goes away. Aha. 
Mm-hmm. We've we've returned to time. We have. And so like there's that sense of like flow and being in the moment compared to what I think you're giving voice to, which is this idea that rather than moving from an integrated state, you're moving from a fragmented state. Mm-hmm. So one part is leading and the other parts aren't because they're not in conversation. They're not they're like playing catch up. They don't know what's going on. Right. And you're not checking in with yourself and your external world, making sure that like your clasp is on. And that's maybe a good, a good rule of thumb of the way to like, know, like, well, where am I? Am I in a state of flow or am I in a state of distracted fragmentation? Mm -hmm. Cause the answer to that is going to be like, are, do, is everything that you need to do the task in front of you? Is it all working? Because if Will Ferrell, why well, keep calling him Will Ferrell? Because that's what I think of him. But he was Lars in the film. If mm -hmm. Lars was in a state of flow, he would have had everything on, right? He yeah. would have. He would not have been up up there at the light booth talking to mm -hmm. that person, right? He would have been on stage with Secret or waiting in the wings and been ready to put everything on, have everything ready to go, because mm -hmm. everything internally was working together. This is great. We didn't even get to Lemtov, but I feel like we no. really need to start wrapping up. All right. So what do we, I mean, there are a lot of gems. There are a lot of takeaways. Mm -hmm. what, so many gems. What's one that you might want to highlight for our listeners? Um, what I would invite our listeners to pay attention to is, like, what are you, how are you spending your time? And how do you feel about how you're spending your time? And if if you notice that you are spending an awful lot of time on one particular thing and it is out of balance in with other aspects of your life, maybe consider a little bit of shifting. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not a stick with which to beat yourself. No. This is a mirror in which to do some introspection um, and see if if you want to make any changes or if you feel really good about everything that's happening right now, in which case, can you offer yourself some kudos? I was Anything just, you want to add? No, I think that's beautiful. Captain. Okay. Um, we only talked about Eurovision song contest, the story of fire saga. We did. We thought we might talk about the Titanic, but we didn't. So I sad. think we'll talk about Titanic next time. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling that we will. So we're going to save that ship for another day. But I will run through our bibliography of terms, which were Great. blessedly short. Uh, per usual, we did internal family systems with uh, our good friend Richard Schwartz. His name is not David. I still wish that it was, but <laughs> I know that it's not. We talked about myth and Joseph Campbell and really named some of the flaws of our good friend JC, um, which we all have as human beings. And we talked about the psychological state of flow, and we did kind of give voice to the Westworld construct and our critique of time. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandycat-Duthy, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. You are the Kevin Swain of this podcast. Join us for our next episode and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and very especially review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends. And as always, live long and prosper.